life just blazing. You're brand new. Happy New Year. Yeah, New Year. Yeah. Yeah, New Year, Coach. New Coach Skeeters. He got a new Apple Watch on with the band. He trying to hide it low key. (laughs) Yes, right. He got to send me some money. (laughs) Yeah, man. What's uh, what's going on, Coach? How you feel on January 2024? Happy New Year, Kev. Happy New Year, right? May 2024 be better and great than anything you've accomplished or thought of in years past, bro. 23 was a great year. It was a good year. It was a good year. But, you know, all good things come to an end and happiness bringing in the new year. That's for sure. And the, the New Year's resolution, according to the missus, is I'll make sure I get it right now. Flexibility, understanding, and grace. Oh, she tired of you. Oh, she tired of you. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. When I was with some friends for dinner to bring in the new year, that was that was the that was the resolution for 2023. <laughs> Flexibility, understanding, and grace. So well, we are we are uh, recording this on the holiday, so I don't want to uh, take up too much of your time from your family for we all have to get yeah. back to the workplace. So um, but yeah. you, you mentioned 2023 being a, a strong year, man, and you had some things. And we got to dig into this. Your top moments of 2023 will follow that up with your top predictions. OK, for yep. 2024. Yep. And uh, we will hold you against all of this as usual. <laughs> yeah, you know? and uh, and see where this goes. But Skeet, twenty twenty three is strong year, um, yes. especially for that 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 uh, team on your shirt. Hey, well. listen, and on the hoodie, man. What you what, so where you want to start here? If you time stamping, if you time stamping January one, twenty twenty four. Okay, there's no more doubt of who's the best team in the NFL. Yeah, them boys drop fifty six. Boy, them boys drop fifty six on the dog. You understand? So it's the scene from uh, uh, "Remember the Titans." Denzel with Coach Boone and Coach Yost, where Coach Yost turned to Coach was running up Herman, leaving no doubt. <laughs> that is a fact, and I know we we got plenty to touch on with your with your Ravens because you are a little biased in these streets. But, uh, uh, reviewing twenty twenty three, Ski, where you want to start? Let's go to Colorado. All right. Let's go with the prime, Coach Prime. I mean, really, think about what he's done in coaching, right? Coming from high school and TV and, you know, reality shows with his sons to an HBCU who had, you know, to, to literally, I mean, he restructured the facilities with the donation um, with the new track and field and practice field for Jackson State and Actually, he lost the championship game. Now, he won the swag back-to-back years, but went 0-2 in the championship games, but took the job at Colorado, talking about his, you know, he bringing his luggage and his Louis Vuitton and his Louis, and game one. I mean, goes on the road and, and knocks off, you know, a team that played in the national championship game. Um, you, you, you figure you hear, you heard the names at Jackson State, but then for those two guys, well, that program, I'm not even going to Shador and then the, the entire Colorado football program and his coach and his impact uh, on the world. Think about he had Prime T, he had ESPN and Fox on his campus 
for the same game. I don't know, you know, those those stations usually go, you know, game day goes one other place and that's right. Fox goes to another place, but they were both at Colorado. That's right. For the Colorado State game. So that's just the impact that Dion had on uh college football for the season. For the season. Now, obviously, you know, when it got to Pac twelve, Oregon and and those programs, they made a hell of a back against USC. Yeah. But he showed one that he, he he can coach and put a staff together. Like hats off to his staff and what they were able to accomplish uh, for those games. You, you, especially the first game. Like you, you talk about game one. You were hoping that they played well. Yeah, that was that was TCU, and I you TCU. know I, mm-hmm. I remember uh, texting you that day when they uh, when they won, and just like man, I'm I'm tearing up here. This is incredible uh, <laughs> yeah. for this to happen because this that was TCU oh. just removed from getting blasted, but we're just in the national championship game, and exactly. Colorado does this. Coach, have you ever um, ever seen a, a movement? like this a change an immediate change like this uh and not so much in the winds is to your point this was a monumental move for the city the sport um what nobody was talking about colorado have you ever seen a movement like this ever you know what not in the beginning it normally happens in the end you talk about uh shocker smart and vcu from the first four to the final four and, and you know the mid-major successor program umbc in, in the nc tournament but never in the anticipation and then the like by the end of the year they fell off so you you you, you shocker didn't win the national championship but he went to a final four that's right. so that following that's the type of impact like in college football no, there's never been anything like that. No. And and going into the playoffs system next year where they're now having 12 teams, that will bring, in my opinion, the kind of following uh, for college football like the NCAA tournament. Think about the Colorado, I mean, that game, the Colorado State game where you had, I mean, you can name the stars, mm-hmm. the Rock. And, and, you know, Little Wayne, you know, brought them out like it was a concert. It was a, a concert in Boulder, Colorado. He did the special on the twins. You know, the 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 elderly lady that's been a Colorado fan and alum, who her and her sister forever. And Dion brings her into the locker room. She told, give me my theme music. <laughs> no. And then she has never seen anything like, and Dion is Dion. So, you know, Dion with the do-rag and things of that nature as a player, going from Atlanta to Dallas, San Francisco, winning the Super Bowl, playing baseball, like the things that he did as a person, as an athlete, transcended into college football. And it's it's been good for college football. I mean, he was doing some good, really good things for HBCU, opening up the eyes to the leadership of HBCUs and upgrading their programs. And hopefully that continues. And so he took it to the next level, which, I mean, Dion being Dion. So no, that's right. that is unique in itself. And tell you what, it's going to be hard to follow that act up. Right? He's going to have to win some more games. That's probably the only thing he could, you know, to top that. You know? <laughs> that's like, right. Yeah. Well, let's stay in that same vein. And, uh, you know, this is kind of uh, mm. what what sparked that excitement with Dion. You know, um, all over the place. This has been a, a game changer for sure. It's free agency um, at its finest. Uh, coach, mm. your best or or worst of twenty twenty three, and I and transfer portals getting out of control. So the transfer portal has been good for you know college athletes, men and women. 
to be able to make the decision to leave. There's just been a lot of uh, the, the, the student athletes that get stuck in the portal. There is a pro and a con to the transfer portal because the, the con is that the negative is that parents and kids, I, I won't just put it on the kids because most of them come from influences, their homes. However, you know, whatever their family life is like prior to coming into college sports, but you always had to get the release. So you had to have the conversation with coach to sit down and say, I'm leaving. Right. That was important. And coach was just like a parent and they still are today. But the transfer portal with NCAA and I'll be honest with you, they had no coaches in the room when they made the decision to let the kids just leave. Hmm. They're 18 to 22, 24 year olds, and they're making life changing experience decisions. And a lot of it is it's it's we don't hear about the negative or the, and I don't say the negative, but we don't hear about the kids that are not the big time players that are stuck. They left their programs for whatever reason and don't get a scholarship. Now for a program like, you know, the, the quarterback from Wake Forest goes to Notre Dame and the backup from Alabama or from Notre Dame. Now he's back to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. Like those examples are positives because this kid is a really good lacrosse player. Didn't really play much at Alabama. The things worked out for the other quarterback. Alabama's in the championship, uh, the final four for football, the college playoffs. And so this kid gets to go back to Notre Dame and play lacrosse. And he, he may be a pro lacrosse player, but he gets to finish out his career, gets to make the decision that's best for him. He's not, you know, stuck at Alabama. And there are a lot of great, great scenarios of kids, situations where whatever the situation may be, homesick, things of that nature, I mean, there was a kid in Miami last year in the Final Four. I think he went to four high majors. He went to Kansas, DePaul. Jeez. Uh, I can't even think of this kid's name. And then he ended up in Miami last year, and they go to the Final Four. So there's a lot of positives for the, the transfer portal. Again, I'll just say before we go into the NIL that the NCAA did miss out on involving coaches in the process. So – you talked, I talked to Kevin last night and I'm talking to Kevin and we're talking about playing time and opportunities and the degree and things of that nature. And that's a lot they don't talk about is those kids transferring, the credits don't transfer. So how far are they from graduating? Things of that nature. But you had to have the conversation with coach. Right. Kids, I, I, I get a call from compliance t- tomorrow morning saying Kevin's leaving. I said, what do you mean Kevin's leaving? I just talked to him last night. Coach, he's in the port. He's gone. So, and then you never hear from Kevin again. And those are the scenarios that are the negatives. But again, there's, 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 it is 50, 50. I, I must say, I, I can't say one weighs more than the other in the pros and cons of the transfer portal. NIL, I believe the kids always should have been getting paid. We'll find in, in the years to come. And I, and I say this begrudgingly, but we may see the NCAA like a Ponzi scheme and Bernie Madoff in 20 mm-hmm. years from now. Because when 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 the Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh told the NCAA when they appealed the Ed O'Bannon case through the Supreme Court and Kavanaugh told them that they could not get away with what they've been doing, how they've been operating in any other walk, any other walk of life. So you're talking about as a as a chef in entertainment in any industry, right, that the. The. I won't call them employees, but the ones that everyone is paying 
coming paying to come to see are not benefiting in any way in the resources of billions, millions to hundreds of millions to billions of dollars. And they knew it. And again, I'm going to say this name and research it. Walter Byers, who coined the phrase student athlete, he was the original president of NCAA. He coined the phrase, the term student athlete, said in 1990s, <laughs> said in hmm. the 90s and the early 2000s, that this needs to change. What he created, what he helped build, needed some adjustments. And so I've always believed that, you know, from the, the rules about the, the putting the spread on the bagels was a violation. You're getting kids the bagels, but you can't put the, you know, the peanut butters. Like, that's extra benefit. They were ridiculous. They didn't make any sense. And so now that they're able to, and the athletes that are, that are benefiting should have benefited for years. You can look at the final four runs, student athletes at Richmond, Virginia at, at VCU to, um, you know, the, the gymnasts at uh, UCLA and things of that nature. Now they're able to market them and it doesn't really affect the team. I mean, you, you talk about these deals. Well, again, I'm, I'm sure there's some negatives that are out there and the tax uh, issues that the kids may have years to come, but I mean that's just like being in the real world. That's what you go to college for is to learn those types of things in life. So why not everyone else on campus is able to earn a living? Athletes should be able to earn a living, and there's there there it doesn't stop the schools, it doesn't hinder the universities, the conferences from revenue, from making money, from doing right. business. They're still able to operate the same way. Now, Rand Paul and my man from West Virginia, they kind of showed their true colors with their statements, you know, about the kids driving Bentleys and things of that nature, like rappers. No, they're just able to earn a living. That was the the, the slap in the face to the athletes from those people when in politics, they're Kentucky fans and West Virginia fans, big time sports, Kentucky basketball and West Virginia University. Those are the slaps in the face for NIL uh, from the kids that look like myself and, the, and they're, they're going to the business of college sports because it is a business. Let's just be frank. The, the COVID 2020 <laughs> shutdown of the NCAA tournament and the 2021 NCAA tournament that took place proved that college athletics is a business because that contract with CBS and NCAA had a clause in it that if that 20 if they had consecutive events that didn't take or tournaments that didn't take place for whatever reason, they had to renegotiate the contract. Well, that tournament happened as we, as we see where, you know, I think it was VCU again, they would, they would disqualify. They never even played because the kid tested positive. A friend of mine's son was on that team at VCU. And, I, and so, you know, he never got the, they made a tournament, but he never got to play in NCAA tournament. Wow. But the revenue from that tournament, pay for the championships of all the other sports, which is still a great business model. Um, it's working. And now it's working for the student athletes, the twin basketball players at Fresno State. In the beginning, they were one of the largest money makers in NIL. And so that is a game changer for the athletes that they're now able to you know they, the, the article was written that they made more than assistant coaches uh, at Fresno. Well, you know, they're able to 
you know, like the, it was like the coach versus the president. You know, <laughs> it's like I had a better year than the president. <laughs> so, you know, what I'm so <laughs> you know me. I, I, I'm as you can see with my wall. I've been a coach for a long time. They still haven't come up with something to save the assistant coaches. How about with a pension plan for the assistant coaches? Yeah, and I'll I'll digress there because you know. Mm-hmm. Here go that biasness again. That's the day. That, that six months, that thirty days for the assistant coaches, where your health insurance and your salaries are gone. And back, that ain't enough. That yeah, ain't that's enough. tough. That's tough. That's tough. Let's live. I live that. So let's stay on the court. Um, two key acquisitions were made at LSU out in Baton Rouge. It was Kim Mulkey and Angel Reese, and then immediate success was achieved. Best of twenty twenty three with Coach Eric Skeeters. Kim Mulkey, Angel Reese lead LSU to a national title against a cold-blooded killer out there in Iowa, Caitlin Clark. They got it done. I tell you what, I remember watching Kim Mulkey as a player in the 80s. Uh, she played with a young lady named Tori Harrison that was from Baltimore uh, with Louisiana Tech, and they went to the national championship. And obviously been a big fan of Baylor and what she's accomplished in basketball as a player now as a coach. And Angel, I mean, I went to high school with her mom. I coached her aunts. Uh, I mean, I, I did the same school at St. Francis in Coppin State. So, you know, Angel's like, you know, a distant relative, like literally a close cousin. And just knowing the connection and the success, like that Final Four with the, you know, they ring me and, and the NIL deals and, you know, Kaylin Clark and what she's accomplished as a player. It was one of the best stories in college basketball. So Kim Mulkey was a player in the 80s when Vivian Stringer took the most successful, most successful HBCU program was Cheney State's women's team under Vivian Stringer. They went to two Final Fours in three years, 82 in the National Championship game. I want to say they lost to Kim Mulkey. Then 84, I can't remember if they made the championship game. But to now, women's basketball, is you see an, the you know, the uh, a phoenix rising in the players and their abilities from and the success of you know Dawn Staley and you still have UConn and there's for me the WNBA and what women's basketball is accomplishing right now that story of Angel Reese <laughs> and, and you know just. You know, what is that? The, the whole you can't see me thing. See me. Clark, like I was glued to the two. Obviously, there's a Baltimore following. So, you know, I'm biased. But at the same time, it was a worldwide national story with the success. And then the talent level in college basketball, in women's college basketball. I think there's there there's it's a great platform um, for the years to come. And Kim Mulkey, Don Staley. You know, and Gino and all the rest of the programs, Arizona, uh, watch out for. I'm out getting them to show my biases. Uh, the, the, the coaching staff at George Mason's women football, Vanessa uh, Blair Lewis, uh, the head coach at George Mason, is one of the ones on the on the rise, let's just say, hmm. in college, women's college basketball. All right, let's go to the. Uh... Oh. Hit the NBA. 
I don't have my shirt, my hat. I don't have my. I don't, I don't have my swag. I don't have my nugget swag. All this free gear going on. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Listen, shout out nuggets. to Mike Malone. Yeah. Is, the Denver Nuggets. Um, they finally get over the hump. You think about the grind from the bubble, right? And that injury to uh, Murray and the, the the transition of uh, Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter and those guys growing in their games to win it all, like beating LeBron in the conference finals where the Lakers had swept them, where the Lakers had knocked off Golden State, a great conference finals last year with Joker versus LeBron, the two-time, three-time MVP in you know, Joker, like now he's established himself as the best player in the world with that, you know, once you get the ring, it was like Dr. J finally got the ring, you know, and to Tim Conley's credit, Tim Conley's now the GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves, but putting that team together, Joker was a second round pick. Like this fat, chunky dude, you know, from where he's from Serbia and but his, his his work habits, his skill level and talent level, uh, second to none. I mean, a a champion. When you when you're when you're describing programs and organizations like LeBron going back to Cleveland, they haven't won a championship in fifty years. The Nuggets had never won in their existence in the NBA a title, and to do that, to what they accomplished, who they beat. I, you, you give credit where credit is due. Miami proved that the playing game, playing team works. The, the the toughness still wins, but I don't care who they probably would have played it was Boston or Milwaukee in the finals. The Denver Nuggets was the best team. It wouldn't have mattered. That's right. In the NBA. And, you know, let's, let's, let's see what happens. You know, they didn't win the playing or what is that tournament this year? The cup or the, the in season. NC, yeah, NBA Cup. I don't think that, that worked well, but you know, Joker and and the Denver Nuggets, you know, hats off too because and Coach Mike Malone. Mike's a grinder. Mike was in college basketball for a long time. Was an assistant for in the NBA for a long time with Cleveland and Mike Brown and the young LeBron James to getting his opportunity at Denver and just building and and kudos to the ownership at Denver sticking with Mike Malone to see, see it through, to see it through. And, you know, just like his dad won with the, with the Detroit Pistons, you know, Mike Malone is now a world champion head coach. Speaking of world champions, let's go to the diamond. Um, Two things you wanted to touch on. Um, Your, your favorite, your Baltimore Orioles best record in the American league this past year. Uh, Texas Rangers out of nowhere uh, winning the World Series. A very uh, interesting, fun year um, in Major League Baseball. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Houston Astros and Dusty Baker with you know, the success that they had. The Orioles, um, we had manager of the year, rookie of the year, but in our best season and the best record in baseball. But the Texas Rangers, I mean, hats off to Bruce Bochy and, and what they were able to accomplish – they didn't lose a game on the road in the playoffs in the World Series. Clean I mean, in the playoffs, going into the World Series. Think about that, Cat. Yeah, they won every road game. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, what I'm saying, at least you can say you lost to the champs. And, and, That's right. And the, the, in baseball, like at Camden Yards and seeing that place 
and, and full to capacity and people wearing their Oriole gear. It's one of the original uh, throwback modernized stadiums. Uh, now, the American League East, Yankees, or we've seen what the Yankees have done. We've seen what the Dodgers have done. But the Texas Rangers and their run in last year's playoffs and World Series is, is just a credit to getting hot at the right time. And, you know, look what happened. I mean, they ran through the American League. They swept the order. We didn't win a game. Right. We didn't win a game. They had to play in the in the uh, the the the, uh, the wild card game. The Rangers had to play in the wild card, win that, and they come to Baltimore. <laughs> Both games. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't win the game, and they go to Texas, and it's it's over. It's just like that, 100 wins, manager of the year, rookie of the year, and just like that, we didn't win the game. It was over. So, I mean, to his credit, and what he did with San Francisco before coming to. The Texas Rangers. I mean, Bruce Bochy's got to be one of the best managers in baseball. If you didn't think so, or, or now, <laughs> right. if you didn't think so before. Well, man. the tide the tide could easily change, and uh, we'll switch gears and go to your twenty twenty four predictions. Orioles didn't fare so well this year in the postseason, but you believe? Well, you think about the job. Um, Brand Hot has done and and what he's been able to build, what they built in Baltimore, right? And how he's stuck with we didn't have our closer at the end. Um, and so with that, I just believe that if there's just like we talked about Denver Nuggets and over the years in, in those like Baltimore went from ninety-seven to uh Buck Showalter, we have fourteen consecutive losing seasons, let alone making the playoffs. They didn't have a, have a winning record for 14 years after losing to Jeter in ALCS, uh, his rookie year and his first World Series with the Yankees. So the Orioles have now flipped the script, and now they're back to being one of the powers in the American League East and in the American League and in baseball. And so I think this is the year that they closed the deal. I mean, what Houston has done with and Dusty Baker, they're, they're definitely – Texas will definitely be in a conversation. The Dodgers and the pitchers that they picked up – with uh, Otani and, and it's the Orioles year, I believe, to put it all together and close the deal. Now, you know, like I said, teams like the Dodgers, um, the National League uh, contender, um, Philly. I mean, it, 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 who was who was who did the Rangers beat Kev in the in the World Series? You know, I forgot. I forgot. The Diamondbacks. Thank you. Yeah, nobody remembers the second place team, right? That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah. But no, I think the Orioles closed the deal. I think the Orioles closed the deal. All right. Well, we'll see because that, and you know, the AL East in general is always oh. super competitive. So you never know who's going to come out on top. But the Orioles, a unbelievable season uh, this past year. Once again, the best record in the yeah. entire American League. Yankees uh, signed the hitter. They signed the pitcher last year. They, I mean, they. They're they're building up, but at the same time, they know how to win. The Yankees in there, you know, I I can't discredit what they've accomplished over the years, but I think it's just, you know, like in the 80s, how good we were the Orioles. I think it's, you know, times have changed. And then uh, you never know what the Rays do. Um, Yeah, Tampa was really good this year. They started off, what, 20 and 1? Wander Franco. Let's see what happens. Wander Franco. Let's see what happens. He's in trouble. But let's let's go to the hardwood again. Uh, We'll stay professional. Coach Eric Skeeter says, 
the Milwaukee Bucks and the LA Clippers, new addition James Harden, the three-headed monster there, they figure it out and make it all the way to the NBA Finals. James Harden shows up in the playoffs, or maybe he doesn't have to as much with the assistance of possibly a healthy Kawhi Leonard, a healthy Paul. How does this happen? 2024 predictions, Bucks versus Clippers. Let's start in the East. So Dame Dollar, right? You think about one of the most impactful players in an organization with the Portland Trail. Winning shots at the buzzer in game seven. Now he brings it to his, I guess one of his boys, Giannis, picked him first in the All-Star game last year. So the combination of Giannis Antetokounmpo and Dame Lillard, in the end, with a, they're going to face a tough Boston Celtics organization. Obviously, when you go into that garden, you know, come playoff time in April and May, there it's, it's that Eastern Conference Finals. Get your popcorn ready because Tatum and Brown and, you know, my, shout out to my man, assistant coach Sam Cassell with Boston. Like he's been there and won a championship as an assistant before as a player. I'm sorry, as a player. Sam's got three rings as a player. They know how to win. The Bucks. I think now they put this together. Tough loss, uh, you know, with their point guard going to the Celtics. So there's going to be that battle. Uh, but at the same time, I think the Bucks went out. I think with the addition of uh, Middleton coming back, you know, they, they have that same nucleus, new coach. So hopefully, you know, he, he he's won with Toronto. So he understands what they'll need to do to finish the job. But then you look at the L.A. Clippers and you look at a franchise that's, I don't know if they've ever been to the conference finals, but they've never been to the NBA finals. Westbrook in what he's done with the addition of James Harden coming off the bench and that sacrifice. Mm. Well, they, they won nine in the last 11. They won eight in a row. Tyrone Lue has won as a player. He's won as an assistant coach. He's won as a head coach. He's coached one of the best players in the game in LeBron James at Cleveland and taking him to the championship and down 3-1 winning. He knows the buttons to push as the leader on the court, off the court. That's that's the secret sauce for me. Tyrone Lue and his coaching staff. Shout out to my guy, Jason Powell, who's the head trainer, been with the Clippers for decades. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Westbrook, uh, James Harden, and another successful role player, Norman Powell. They have the nucleus. I'm just talking, they have what it takes. And they have so many weapons that the Clippers can beat you a lot of different ways. Kawhi's been known for his defense. So let's say they're playing the Lakers. Let's say they're playing the, Clip, the, the Nuggets in the playoffs. He can do it on both ends. We know with Paul George, with the Pacers, and his battles with LeBron James in Miami, right? We've seen that. Powell was with Kawhi Leonard when they won in Toronto in that one-year run. A young James Harden and a young Russell Westbrook lost to the clip talk, lost to the Miami Heat, okay, as youngsters in the league. So now yeah. you put all that together, you mix it all, stir it all up, right? You stir it all up. It has a recipe for success. It has a recipe for disaster. Yes, I, I, I don't know if this happens, but, but oh, oh, let, let, 
James Harden, and I've had this conversation with, with you know, the barbershop talk, led the NBA in assists in 2023. His teammate, Joel Embiid, was finally the MVP. He finally played a full season healthy. Regardless of what took place in the playoffs, I mean, he he played his behind off in the first two games against the Celtics. Led the league in assists. His teammate was MVP. That played a huge role. James Harden played a huge role in success and the growth of Joel Embiid. They would have won the best pick and roll uh, twosomes in the league. So that guy is super talented. Already been an MVP. Okay. So Russell Westbrook, MVP, and two seasons of triple doubles, averaging triple doubles for the season. That's a lot of talent. I'm telling you right now, in basketball, <laughs> I'd rather have great players than not have them because they make you up for your mistakes as a coach. <laughs> okay. They, a Russell Westbrook, a Paul George, a Kawhi Leonard, and a James Harden, they can make up for a lot of mistakes on a given night on both ends of the floor. Okay. We'll see what happens. I, I know uh, Doc Rivers recently revealed there was a change in James Harden when he didn't make the All Star game, um, and uh, and uh, mentioning that uh, immediately after not making the coaches' vote, um, he looked to be more shot heavy than pass heavy, and that was uh, kind of the change there. Well- Okay, real quick, because they lost like four or five in a row when he first came to the Clippers, right? They lost all these games. They were close games, but they lost. But now what? Russell Westbrook decides to come off the bench. Who made who made that comment? Who had that conversation? I'm willing to bet it was Tyrone Luke with Russ. And the reasons why, here's what we got to do, and here's how we got to do it. And so I need you to do this. And Paul George, I need you to do that. And Kawhi, I need you to do this. And things of that nature. Now, James coming in, he's putting the pieces together. He's putting the puzzle together to where in the end, Come June, I'm telling you, I think the Clippers are going to be in the money. Well, I, I, I'm not mad at it, but I don't know if it happens. But uh, I would love to see six to seven games because somebody has to stop Giannis. And if there is a healthy Kawhi Leonard against Ooh. that monster in Giannis, that is something Ooh. that I would love to watch. And Dane uh, Donald, you know the, the 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 rivalry he has with Westbrook yeah. and Paul George? Can you yeah. say, get your popcorn yeah. ready? I, you know what I'm it's like, and – I'm not think about I so was fortunate to go to Dallas game when they played uh the Utah Jazz and see um uh Luka Doncic had the triple double at halftime, Kev. Mm-hmm. The young fella had a triple double at the half. It was one of the best blowout games. I think they won by 30. One of the best <laughs> blowout games I've ever seen in my life, right? This, this dude is unbelievable. Him and Kyrie, the young boy uh from Duke, uh Tim Hardaway Jr. The Dallas Mavericks, right? The young Houston Rockets, uh, uh, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Lakers and LeBron, you know, like uh, Pelicans, they were third in NBA before uh, my man Zion went down last year. The yeah. West is really good. So the Clippers got their work cut out for them. I'm not going to say it's a shoe-in because the Nuggets going to have something to say about it. But in the end, they got a lot of all-stars. They say it's only one ball. That's all right, because a lot of them can do what, <laughs> what you need one guy to do. They got three or four guys that can do on a given and night. You And there's a team you didn't mention that is simmering, not looking so hot right now. But the show that Kevin Durant is putting on in Phoenix right oh, now. Oh, okay. I thought you was going to say Draymond. Okay. No, no, no. I, 
Um, yeah. they, no. They're aged out at this point. But yeah. um, the, the Kevin Durant. Yeah, no show. doubt. Yeah, he's putting on a show. And without Bradley Bill um, consistently there, they they may have something to say here. Definitely will be in the running. Yeah, Phoenix will definitely be in the money. Ain't no question about it. Let's say hardwood. Uh, go back to the NCAA, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2024 predictions from Coach Eric Steeters, a black head coach will be in the NCAA men's basketball title game this year. Sentiment, sentiment, sentiment. I'm, I'm very sentimental when it comes to I've, I've been fortunate in my coaching career to have a good relationship with Coach John Thompson, the Georgetown staff of the 90s, uh, Craig Ashford, Mike Riley, and – so since 1984, on the fours, there's been a black head coach winning a national championship in a national championship game. So Coach Thompson with Georgetown in 84, Nolan Richardson in Arkansas in 94, Paul Hewitt in Georgia Tech lost to UConn in 2004, Kevin Ollie in 2014 with UConn as a head coach. So it's just, it's it's all my sentiment. And it, it, I, you can call me superstitious. You know, but I, and I've said it to, you know, the group of head coaches that I know that are I think that are really good and have an opportunity to keep the the the, the <laughs> just keep the record going. You know what I mean? Keep the suit. It's when Coach Thompson won as the first black head coach to win a national division one national championship in 1984. He regretted that statement because he that stated that there was no other coach qualified or intelligent enough to accomplish that feat. So that within itself, I, I, there's there's nothing you can say to top that. Coach Thompson had been there, done that. I mean, he lost in 82, so he had been there before. But to the big house games and the coaches of the past, you know, John McClendon, to say they weren't qualified. But now it's just a sentimental anniversary for black head coaches in college basketball that on the four since Coach Thompson won. I mean, Tubby Smith won in 98. So there's not just, you know, it's not just on the fours that black college coach. And, and, and my friend, Paul Hewitt, happened to be the one that, that did not win it, but he was, you know, obviously he coached on Monday night. So um, it's just a sentimental anniversary for me that I think, and, and I hope that'll happen. Uh, we'll see. I hope I didn't jinx him. <laughs> so, right. you know, but at the same time, it's just giving – uh, some paying a little homage and and uh, recognizing the success of uh, the success of some black college coaches in, in, in basketball. In college and I, basketball. I, you know, to your point, you know that the, the uh, sentimentality that you were speaking towards, um, we are seeing a lot of more a lot more black coaches at the NCAA level mm-hmm. um, for basketball. Um, still looking for more of an increase and 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 push for the football side of things, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, that's one thing the NCAA for men's basketball has done very well is seeking out that talent from all areas. If you're a winner, you're a winner. Um, and uh, basketball has done a very good job of that on every level. Without a doubt. No, and, and to the football, I was fortunate enough to to hear Charlie Strong speak years ago. Um, and he talked about being the coordinator. There, there's a special on Netflix, Urban Meyer, and his focus years at Florida with the Gators. And how hard it was for Charlie Strong to get a head coaching job uh, as a black coordinator of national championship football programs. Hmm. Um, and to his credit, he ended up getting Louisville and, and moving on to, to Texas and South Florida. Um, but yes, that challenge is still out there. Hats off to to Deion Sanders and and 
uh, wish him the best. It's proving that at the former athletes like Dion, uh, that uh, can coach the game. Like there's always been a knock in college basketball and big men of being able to coach. Um, but at the same time, you, you look at guys like Kevin McHale and Patrick Ewing and, and uh, what's my guy's name? Uh, McDermott at Creighton, you know, the big guys that coach, you know, Larry Bird coached the Pacers all the way to the final. So just the impact and the success of Jawan Howard at Michigan and hmm. Penny Hardaway at Memphis, some of them going back to their alma maters, right? And that's not no knock on because obviously I got a lot of friends of all walks of life uh, in college basketball, you know. So this is no knock. It's just my sentiment for the black head coaches to, uh, you know, and, and guys like Kelvin Sampson who've, you know, taken multiple programs to the final four. It's just one of those kind of, you know, sentimental things that I, I just looking at this 2024, it's almost like <laughs> it's the year. It's the year for, right. you know, it's like the Chinese new year. It's the, it's the, the black coaches new year in college basketball. You mentioned Kevin Sam uh Sampson too, the Houston out here cleaning folks up. Uh they out here uh they out here cleaning folks up. Keep an eye out for them cougs out there. Uh, he's, Can we talk about college basketball for a second? Uh oh, here we go. Now is this no, a prediction? No. Are, are you about you about to go off the rails? What you doing here? No, no, no. It's just as we go into this season, right? And we go in twenty twenty four, you know, as the NFL playoffs wind down and college basketball kicks off with conference play, there's just a lot of good teams and a lot of good basketball being played. The Big East has shown that, I mean, they're still one of the best conferences with UConn winning the national championship, Seton Hall and Shaheen Holloway and his success. You know, Villanova has had some great wins. Georgetown has a new head coach. And Ed Cooley, excuse me, who had all, tons of success uh, at Providence, the new Providence, probably the youngest, hottest young coach in college basketball is a friend of mine, like family, Kim English Jr. Me and his dad, you know, come up together. His dad was my old head coming up. Like, there's a lot of good basketball. The ACC, uh, the, the the Big 12 and the Big 10, there's these arguments, the Pac-12 and what they will be in the future, what college basketball will be in the future. We don't know with the ACC bringing in programs like Stanford and Cal and the, the Big Ten bringing in USC and UCLA, like college basketball, college sports, but mainly college basketball. It's going to be a fun year this year. It's going to be a fun year. Look out for the tournament. You know, literally the best three weekends in sports. I'm biased, but that March Madness. Whew. Yeah, that's uh... a... It's gonna be a beast. Uh, keep an eye yeah. out for there was a there was a Hoosier team that always almost knocked off those Jayhawks too. The other yes, sir. So, no, listen. Oh, it's a it's a it's gonna be a fun year for sure. Expectations in Bloomington. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's go back to the football field. We'll sure. stay college. Uh, you brought up one of the greatest NFL quarterbacks of all time, one of the greatest um, college and NFL coaches of all time. You say in 2024, the greatest Jim Harbaugh. He will bolt after winning the national championship, which means he gets past Alabama. This is something that'll happen within the next couple of weeks. No, no, um, no, Harbaugh no. will bolt after winning the national championship and return to the National Football League. Coach, what say you? They play tonight. So as we're recording right now, the game against Alabama, Michigan tonight, the 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 rallying point for Devils kids in that program, they were out there, Coach, for the first three games of the season, and they lose them for three more games within the season, three Big Ten 
two road games, Penn State and Iowa, uh, then they come home and beat Ohio State at home. His message is still fresh with those kids. You know, a lot of times, and I'm not saying Nick Saban's because obviously they knocked off Georgia in the, champions, the SEC champ title game. So his Harbaugh's message is still fresh with Michigan, and he hasn't been there every game, and yet the assistant coaches now have more of an impact of the games that they want. So hmm. that in itself, for Jim Harbaugh, I think he the crowning moment as a alum, as a former player at Michigan was when, if and when he wins it. And once he wins it, you know, it's like, what do you do? You, you win it again? Well, the Chicago Bears, it's just my opinion, are building a new stadium. He's one of the legendary, legendary players in that organization. They need to sell season tickets. I mean, they get off a, a, a cut of the franchise, right. <laughs> a cut from ticket sales, mm-hmm. a percentage of what the you know the revenue earned, like the contract and the money that you could make, and the accomplishment of going back. He was a great NFL coach. I mean, he lost to his brother. Think about that. He coached against his brother in the, in the NFL in the Super Bowl. Can you imagine? With, with Colin, with, a, with you know Mr. Controversy in, in sports and Colin Kaepernick. So as a coach, as a coach. He's done a hell of a job. And and my son, you know, he'll see this and want to burn it because he's Ohio State. <laughs> he's a Buckeye through and through. He was born in Youngstown, Ohio. So, but I, you got to give credit where credit is due. I've seen, I've heard, I've watched, and I've sat with my son and, you know, watched the Ohio State-Michigan game as, you know, and uh, Urban Meyer beat him for years. But not saying that he followed all the rules. We don't know. Right. And I say he did it with, without any controversy. But, you know, we, we come to find out in the end that Jerry Tarkanian wasn't really wrong. Hmm. <laughs> what he was trying to accomplish at UNLV and take care of the players, it wasn't illegal what Tark was doing. My friend may he rest in peace at UNLV back in the day. So Harbaugh may come out, you know, uh, with a clean slate and nothing that he did with, with, between those lines on the gridiron. I think he wins it all. I think he beats Alabama. That Washington Texas game going to be a great one. Uh, the quarterback Penix and and, and uh, Texas quarterback going to be a great matchup. There's a lot of talent on that field for these next three games, the semifinals and the championship. I think Hallball wins it all and goes and coaches Chicago Bears. Let's see what happens. Now, you know the people of Michigan. He may stay. He may decide to you know do it again. Let's run it back. Who knows. But I think if he's accomplished that this season with the controversy that they've had and what they've been through and the impact that he's had on that team this year uh, and the opportunity, not that he hasn't, you know, won as an NFL coach, but the opportunity to go back and uh, to Chicago and things, we'll see. We'll see. Well, uh, Jim, Jim Harbaugh has had – he had no knowledge of any of the tomfoolery that's been going on around the program. Um, I can confirm that. Um as the biggest Jim Harbaugh fan possible. <laughs> I couldn't uh, hold it. I couldn't hold it. <laughs> the, uh, the Chicago Bears, Mike Eberflew says uh, he got a nod um, this, this week, actually, saying that he will return okay. for the Chicago Bears. But yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the Patriots may be open. And the uh, the Raiders, another interesting yeah, one. You got the Chargers, yeah, the Raiders, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's yes. a couple. And so no knock to Chicago coaching staff right now. They had a hell of a win yesterday. Oh uh, yes, they seven did. And nine. They they put it together. Uh, Ohio State quarterback. So hopefully I can win my son back. 
Come on. <laughs> what's the shout out to? Uh, what's my man? What's the quarterback? Justin name? Fields. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can go back upstairs and hug my son. <laughs> we'll go to your very last prediction. I'm not going to stand in the way here. Um, 13 and three, Baltimore Ravens. They do this. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. Lamar predicted the night he was drafted. He wanted to win a Super Bowl. Ozzie Newsome knew what he was getting. John Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta, they knew what they were getting when they drafted, they traded up to get in the first round and draft Lamar Jackson, the youngest Heisman Trophy winner at that time when he won it at Louisville as a sophomore. Um, they brought him in. There was a couple, you know, a year playing with and behind and then taking the starting job from Joe Flacco, who was Super Bowl 47 MVP. Uh, and obviously still got it because he's lead the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs. But Lamar Jackson, 2019 unanimous MVP in the NFL, has now, he's got paid. He's been hurt. He's had one, two wins in the playoffs. He's lost in the playoffs. He's won an MVP. And now he's focused, laser focused, okay, on, think about the, the teams that he's beaten, his record against the AFC, I mean, NFC. But what they did to Seattle, okay, at the time coming in, what they did to Detroit at the time coming in, what they did to San Francisco, Christmas night, probably the biggest game of the year. The top, the number one seed in the, the AFC and the NFC playing on Christmas night, you know, week 15, 16 in the regular season. I'm, that matchup has rarely happened. Let me put the brakes off San Francisco. Like we just literally manhandled them. And I mean, pretty through four interceptions. Backup comes in interception to yesterday again in six days. That game was on a Monday night, get back Tuesday morning. You got to play Sunday afternoon. What doesn't get talked about, I've been saying this, speaking of the Chicago Bears, since we made the trade for Roquan Smith, Roquan Smith, as you can look it up, documented, has been working with Ray Lewis, studying film, studying with Ray how to lead. And you look at the impact that he's had in our defense, Javon, Javon Clowney, Patrick Queen, Stone and leading the league in interceptions. Marlon Humphrey, got my eye on Marlon Humphrey because I thought that Tyreek Hill matchup when he went out, okay, but we're deep at that position. We're we're deep deep as Metabike in the season that he's having. The Baltimore Ravens have put it all together. Obviously, I'm probably just like everybody else on TV today and all this week and singing their praises, but I've been saying it about the defense since August that the addition of Roquan Smith and learning He's been the best thing that ever happened to uh, Patrick Queen and then Eric Munkin coming in with that offense from Georgia that's, you know, let Lamar. Think about the offensive line and the job that he, they, they've done. I mean, I could go on. In yeah, every yeah you can. No, I mean, get a room. In every fast, all three phases, get a the Ravens room. are clicking in all three phases. The way we beat the Rams, proper return touchdown in overtime like all three phases the ravens are clicking there the i mean statistically tops in the league well so Ske- coach skeeters when they when they get there are they going to turn off the lights again like they did last time they try to do it they try to take it from us in in, in 2012 but guess what it don't matter 
<laughs> it don't matter. We got too many weapons, bro. I, it, honestly, it, hats off to Lamar and staying focused on practice after practice, snap after snap, game after game. Credit to John Harbaugh and his leadership. But the Baltimore Ravens will hoist the Lombardi. Who they play, I hope it's a rematch with the 49ers. I really do. Mm. That'll be made for television. Think about that, that rematch with the four. And then, you know, the 49ers have to go through Philly and Dallas and, you know, to win it or to get to the Super Bowl. They have to come in. And we might have to play Kansas City and Buffalo. You hear me say, we, the Ravens. So be think about the playoff, the matchups. We may have to play Joe Flacco. <laughs> that would be crazy. Play yeah. Cleveland in the playoff. That, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, if we if you talk about the matchup in that game, there is a team that's just bubbling on the outside, getting hot, and very quietly winning. The LA Rams are yes. slowly but surely yes. Yes. getting hot again. A little Lamar Jackson versus Aaron Donald. Again, now we already took care of once. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it took a, it took overtime, but you know, I love yeah, to see it. But I you, yeah, the Browns, the Dolphins, both both conferences, but the AFC is pretty there. That's pretty stacked. And if Patrick Mahomes decides he's ready, right, right this whole right. thing could change. So I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. His receivers got to catch the ball. Right? But it's funny. We were talking last year. Um, if you just get Lamar Jackson some receivers, it, it might it might help a little bit. Just make it look like we got weapons out there. So when you look at the additions, Odell Beckham, Nelson Aguilar, the draft is a flowers, uh, likely. Mark Andrews has been out for four weeks. Our, our, our Pro Bowl tight end has been out. With Lamar's number one receiver, Bateman. So he has a ton of talent and a ton of weapons. And the I, I hate to say this, but the loss of Mark Andrews has now made him deliver the ball and look for other. He's hit seven different receivers in the same game multiple times this year. He threw for five touchdowns yesterday against Miami. So they call it the Jackson Five. Think about that. I mean, he has the weapons to go along with his ability. And hear me clearly that Ferrari. Of Lamar running the ball is still in the garage. That's right. Pull it out whenever he wants to pull out that, that Lamborghini and get to running the ball. So <laughs> I'll end the love fest here. But uh happy new year, Coach Skeeter. Happy yeah. New Year. Happy New Year. Great 2024. Uh bringing 2023 to a close. We're looking to looking forward to 2024 and, and all that it brings. I'm Kevin Wilson, alongside uh the great illustrious coach Eric Skeeters holding it down for the Baltimore Ravens Um, but we'll we'll see you next time on Top Assistant my man